Welcome to another episode of Storyteller Studio, where we're gathering our lives through genuine conversations and gladly sharing them with folks around the world. As radio announcers, Liz and Tim believe there's something very special about being behind a microphone and letting their hair down. Sometimes people just need a reason to enjoy each other, either again or for the very first time. And we found plenty of others who feel the same. From artists, sports figures, and manufacturers, to filmmakers, authors, and media types, we all may know bits and pieces about a person, but there's always something more. So while we grab our headphones and turn up the mics, it's your chance to eavesdrop on yet another episode of Storyteller's Studio. Hello and welcome back to the Storyteller Studio. This is Tim Larson. We are on the road again, and today was a little tougher being on the road than normal. We're in Maryville, Indiana, and we drove through Chicago with all kinds of pouring rain on a January day that was about 32 to 34 degrees. So it was not comfortable, but we made it anyway to Maxim's Diner. My guest today has a story between the two of us mm-hmm. that lasts maybe 10 minutes, and his name is Rick Anthony, and you drove over to Maryville yeah, to actually, meet me. Yeah, actually I did. We, uh, we're about, know, about 45 minutes to the, uh, to the east here, mm-hmm. over in beautiful Wadata, as we call it, Watatucky, Wadata, Indiana, where they actually count livestock as uh, a voting, uh, voting people. Oh, nice. Yeah, exactly. So, wow. Yeah, so anyways... Wow. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, we drove over today, and when you, you called me last week to tell me about the possibility of doing this, I'm going, this sounds like fun. It, it's going to be weird, yeah, isn't it? it is. Because Rick has a podcast called Someone You Should Know. Of course, we have two podcasts, right. Storyteller Studio and with Liz Wilder as Life's 3 by 5s And I told Rick, how about if we double dip this? Yeah. And if we do one recording and post it on both, uh-huh. because Storytellers and Someone You Should Know is sort of a similar yeah, formula. Yeah, we're basically out help, helping people. Yeah. You know, getting the word out. And that's, that's it. And that's what it is. I mean, and, yeah. and if you can record some history along the line, yeah, that's always, then that's always cool, too. It's yeah. an added benefit. I agree. So that's what we're going to attempt yeah. to do. So uh-huh. you have two interviewers and two guests. Exactly. Yeah. I like that. I like that. That way we could actually <laughs> do, do a little something. And Tim and I met, uh, I met with uh, Tim and Liz back in October of 2022. And that was at the Broadcast Museum in downtown Chicago. Our good friend Cliff Long took us all around this, the uh, the facilities and such. There, you mm-hmm. were doing your podcast there, and Leslie and I were just enjoying the. It was I was just enamored of all the things we saw. We saw Bozo's uh, costume. Yeah, uh, we saw. We played the grand prize. Did you play the grand prize game? We d- uh, we did not, but we went in behind the ropes for the uh, AP machine uh-huh. for when they uh, told about Kennedy's, Kennedy's assassination. assassination. Yeah, right. So, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that was our woo-woo, yeah. you know, for being there. But, you know, the weird part about this is Cliff was a docent, uh-huh. and he sort of greets people and guides them through, and if you have any questions and blah, blah, blah. So he had already done that with us. Uh-huh. And he brought us into the Paul Harvey studio. We're setting up the equipment and everything. And he disappears because he's going on to do his thing. Right. He's good for what he did. Well, then he comes back in after meeting you guys, and he says, oh, you guys got to come back into the Hall of Fame because I've got people here that do almost the exact same thing you do. And I'm going, come on. 
And of course, we walk yeah, in sure there enough. and we compare notes. It's like, yeah, it's pretty similar. We're Radio Brothers. That's and, it. And that's just it. So then we sat there on the set of Meet the Press mm-hmm. with Cliff, and he's telling stories. And, you know, it's anything from clown cars <laughs> in the circus <laughs> yeah. to Gilligan's Island. Right, exactly. <laughs> they just found the Gilligan's Island hat of. Uh, uh, Alan Hale. Yeah. And he played the skipper. And it was bronzed. Yeah, it was bronzed. Yeah, and yeah. somebody had it deep, deep, deep in the archives. Right. And they're going, whoa, 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 wait a minute. This yeah. needs to be upstairs. Ex- exactly. In a glass cabinet of some yeah. sort. I, apparently they received it just about the time COVID hit. It was basically locked away for a year, and the change of staff there didn't even know that it existed down there. Yeah, and I I wasn't sure if Cliff found it or who else found it and said this needs to be, (laughs) this needs to be on the purchase floor right now type thing. Yeah, no, it's it was just really cool, and I think it was also like a a script or a copy of the theme song or something like that was was. all in there too. Yeah, it was. It was just really cool. It was a very enjoyable day. Yeah, some great memories. And and the whole thing started out with us doing a show there. Mm Because we weren't really sure what we were going getting into. Right. You know what I mean? We were at a, um, a, a an event that was also put on by the museum at the Displains Theater. Mm-hmm. And it was people like Tommy Edwards and Wendy Snyder and Larry, not Larry Lujak, uh, John Records Landecker. Yeah. They played Larry Lujak type right, exactly, air checks yes. and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. But I ran into all these people, including Ed Ramsey, who was on the board. I'm sort of comparing notes, sort of like you and I did. And he goes, well, if you need to, you know, call us up and come on down and do a show, he goes, here's the person in contact. And it was just that yeah, easy. Yeah, it's just that easy. Yeah. yeah. And when you walk in the studio, the Paul Harvey studio, everything was donated by WGN when it was down at the Showcase studio. Mm-hmm. So walking in there, you could just feel the thickness because I used to go on Michigan Avenue right. and watch these guys. It was such a treat to be able to do that. And then seeing you and Leslie was just sort of a, a bonus. And that's just it. I mean, we, we, this is a strange thing about, <laughs> about Tim and myself is we're the same age as far as that goes. We're both 78 graduates. Right. Uh, we both have had a passion for radio. We both grew up listening to Chicago radio. Yes. We had LS and CFL and WIND and... Every once in a while, I'd stray over to, like, JJD or something like that and see what's going on with the country. <laughs> or, and then, then F, hit the FM dial, too, as far yeah. as that goes. Too. WMAQ, WFM. MAQ's going to make me rich. Yes, right? they the are. They, yes. I think the promise is still holding true I don't that know. they're going to make it, you it, rich. It could be. But uh, <laughs> we just grew up, and that's the, the question I wanted to ask you is, what was your why? Why did you get into radio? I would leave Auburn High School at about 3 o'clock, which mm-hmm. is when Mark Larson, if you know Mark Larson, who is now in San Diego, was on the radio. Uh There was something about his sharpness and his quickness, and he was willing to do pretty much anything. I said, I want to do that. I just want to do that. So then I would go to swim practice Uh at Auburn, and then I would go home, and I had turntables set up and everything in my bedroom, you know, and I'm pretending. And it's like, oh, are you kidding me? And then, you know, but how else do you I, know that's just it. unless you practice? The number of, of uh, radio brothers and sisters that I've had on share the exact same memory yeah. as far as they had usually another cassette player. They always recorded into one cassette player. They had another cassette player to do all the commercials that LS had on there. Yes, and, and sometimes jingles. And j- jingles and such like that. Yeah. We, we had a record pl- I was blessed that I had two record players upstairs, which was nice. One I could put sound effects on, which I thought was really great. <laughs> Ooh. And here's the thing that really and truly kind of made us stand out is my dear friend Darren, who I it was my cohort in crime when I'd be doing all these. Uh, he had a Radio Shack intercom system. 
Oh this my. Little, this little wired intercoms. And he would go in the other room, and he would be my caller. Oh. Or whatever. And I went across the song. Oh, I, I got a complaint. Wow. You got a complaint. You know, <laughs> type of, so we would do that, and... It was so much fun that, and luckily, praise the Lord, I have got several of these cassette tapes. I have them digitized. and uh, That was my pandemic project. Yeah. Between me and Bill Shannon, mm-hmm. we would share things back together again. And if I had something that was just too far gone, like mm-hmm. it was a reel-to-reel, yeah. and it was just nasty... He's got a way of literally baking the tape in the oven uh-huh. to bring it back to Jeez. Radio Ready. Wow. And, and he and Ted Smucker, do you know Ted oh, Smucker? Oh, you betcha. Yeah. Those two guys, uh-huh. among others, but those two guys are doing all the archival air check stuff on Labor Day weekend on Rewound Radio. Yeah, that's right. And, and yeah. it's it's unbelievable what they have found. Yeah, the audio quality of that thing is just absolutely magnificent. It's too. crazy. Because you think of the stuff that you're used to listening to AM and then you're driving underneath a overpass and all of a sudden you wind up, <laughs> what was that? What did he say? What did he say? What was the number? What was the number? What number? Well, and sometimes <laughs> they only get an air check. Yeah. And they want it to sound like you're listening to the entire show on yeah. Saturday afternoon. Mm-hmm. So they have to blend in the music, all the yeah, music. Yeah. And it's like, Bill, come on, that's man. That's a lot of work. That's a, a whole lot, lot of work. work. But that's his passion. Yeah. That's the thing. He does mornings for the Tom Kent Radio Network. Uh-huh. So he's got a regular job. Uh-huh. And yet he does all this other stuff. But granted, you've got other people to help. And it plays once a year. Unless they're doing a tribute like yeah. they just did for Larry Lujan. Yeah. So how did you get into radio? Uh, it was a, a passion of mine. I, I knew I wanted to be a broadcaster probably since the first time I actually got on stage in, in front of people. I was part of a special music program in sixth grade. My teacher just absolutely loved me. Myself and a good friend by the name of Jeff Larson, he and I were making fun of these girls who were doing a routine. Okay. And the teacher, being really cool as she was, she said, I'm not going to yell at you guys. I'm going to make She's basically going to put me part of the, put us part of the program. Oh my! So they had us behind these girls. These girls are doing the routine, and we're doing these, you know, waving our hands and acting like morons and such. <laughs> acting? <laughs> we were, like a, we like were a in sixth six grade, so it was, oh, it was not acting. No, it was true. definitely not acting. So, so this was the beginning of like a Stephen Gary bit. bit pretty much, yeah. Okay. And and so uh, as they would start ending one verse, we'd go to the side a little bit further. And next, you know, by the time the song ended, we were out in front leading the girls. Oh, and it was like, man, cute. I love being on stage that's funny you know, people talk about oh being a public speaker or they'd rather be dead than being a public speaker man i love it no give me a microphone yeah give me a microphone that's just i was convinced i would die with a microphone in my hand well and we could arrange that okay very yeah good. we could yeah, so. we could now leslie will take care Les- of the leslie burial the burial portion of yes. it but just make yeah. sure there's a microphone in there somewhere yeah. and, a, and a mic flag yeah i gotta have a i gotta get a mic flag you gotta sure. get a Absolutely. mic flag. you know the other thing when i when i was so uh enamored with mark larson who was working at He's WROK? Got great pipes. Oh Good my lord, as you got he pipes. Does. Who was working at WROK at <laughs> yeah. the time? Who I ended up spending most of my career at WROK, uh-huh. which again is a little weird. Yeah. Once I got that bug, it went to making the high school homeroom announcements. Yeah. And then it went to doing a student editorial on Channel 13. So it was all these little pieces that went along the way. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I was dating an older girl, Jerry Fratello. So I was able to go to the prom as a junior. Uh Uh-huh. So here's Don Geronimo, you're going to know that uh-huh, name. sure do. And Shotgun Mark Rivers uh-huh. emceeing our prom. Oh, nice. And at the end, I said, you know, I'd really like to start a high school radio station. Mark said, without hesitation, he pointed me right in the uh-huh. chest and he says, I will help you with that. 
And two weeks later, they had full-blown equipment from the production room that they had up in the garage at WROK, and he was down in our basement showing us how to use it. it. And then when you were talking about a friend that had the know-how and had the wiring and everything, mine was Dave Seddon. And Dave's dad was an engineer, so he picked up on it very, very easily. He built us a transmitter. Nice. Yes. It didn't go far, uh-huh. but it was enough for broadcasting on the high school campus. That is really cool. So it's sort of who you know. <laughs> Absolutely. That's just it. And I, from that point on, I just knew I wanted to be a broadcaster. I had listened to LS and CFL religiously, and mm-hmm. my brother was the one that got me not listening to the music, but listening to the content. How did he do that? He just basically said, this guy is really good. And I said, well, why is he good? He said, listen to him. And just don't listen, don't, don't listen to the song. Just listen to yeah. how polished he is. Yeah. And I started doing that particular thing, mimicking these things. And when Darren and I would get together on Friday nights, we would do our own radio shows. Wow. And it, um, it got to a point where I'm getting ready to graduate, and I wanted to you know, go to broadcasting school of some sort. And my dad got sick my senior year, and all the additional money wound up going that way instead of... I mean, okay. I, I had great grades. I had really good grades, but it was not enough to get good scholarship money. Ah. So I joined the Air Force. I joined the Air Force, went to Armed Forces Radio and Television School. No! You know, oh, I've got a story for you. This is truth. God's honest truth. I'm in basic training, okay? This is down okay. to Lackland Air Force Base, San Antonio, Texas, okay? Okay. This is one of my favorite stories to tell. I had uh, left my lock not completely locked on the lockbox, okay, which is a security violation in the nth degree, <laughs> and they would go ahead and, you know, chastise you for doing that because right. it is something they want to teach, you know, responsibilities and it's everything like that. a safety issue. Absolutely. So I yeah. get back, my locker box completely dumped out on my bed, and there's a note, report to the drill sergeant. No. The drill sergeant is probably two, maybe three years older than me. He's a buck sergeant. You know, he's just there, and I report, and you know, I'm saluting and everything like that, and I am, you know, shiver me timbers. I am just, <laughs> I am just f- afraid to do anything. And he goes, uh, do you know why you're in here? I said, yes, I, my, my locker box wasn't completely locked. And he goes, and he starts reading me about communication security and operations security and all these particular things. He said, uh, Airman, one of these days you might be guarding a B-52 bomber. Yeah. What are you going to be in my Air Force, son? And I said, I'm going to be a disc jockey, sir. No way. That would be like number 10 on the list for what he would guess you'd say. He stifled a laugh, looked at me, and threw the, threw the lock back at me. He says, get the hell out of my office. Yeah. This- and he and I were cool from that point forward. Oh, of course. I became like private joker. I, I You know, I became... Does that explain well why I saw the picture of you at a radio station in Guam? Yeah, exactly. I was, I was stationed in Guam. 1989 to 1991. Wow. Uh, I, as a matter of fact, the strange thing is I'm working for Armed Forces Radio and Television, but the thing is I am downtown working for a commercial station in Aganya, Guam. Here's the thing. When I left Colorado, I sent air checks. There was only four stations in Guam. I mean, Guam is, is 8 by 23. Yeah, as I didn't far expect as real, that real, many. Real, real tiny. It's smaller than Lake County, I think. Yeah. So anyways... Uh, I send off the uh, my my air checks and resumes, and I get a call from all four stations. And can I meet you at the airport? Do you need someone? Do you need a place to stay? Uh, oh. Could you could you meet with us first? Can you do this? I'm going. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. I actually went with a station. I went with KZGZ. One, the music was great. It was a uh, it was hard rock at the time. Okay. And playing you know Metallica and and Ooh. Motley Crue. Ooh, really hard. Some really hardcore stuff. Yeah. Oh, and everything yeah. like that. 
I went with that station because the program director, Dave Angel, God, I love you. I love you, buddy. He said, he says, the money, here's the money we got here. And I said, I'll take this mount if you give me total creative freedom. He goes, done. Whoa. So what I did is on the weekends, I would do a full-blown morning show, except for traffic. Okay. I would have everything else. I would have all of your, uh, your bells and whistles, all the funny commercials, all the funny bits. Wow. Uh, I would do a complete six-hour show every Saturday and every Sunday. And I had total creative freedom to do whatever I wanted to do. I had access to the production. They actually gave me my own production studio. Wow. And you're still in the service. Yeah, and I'm still in the service. Wow. And then they gave me an offer to stay because I was, uh, I was getting close to my next re-up type thing. And they gave me a substantial six-figure deal to stay in Guam. Nobody could say that. Well, wow. Yeah, I was really surprised. And sadly, my wife had island fever. She did not like being there she oh. did not like being six thousand miles away from family and friends yeah, it's not for everybody yeah it isn't not, it's and, not from and, everyone you know minnesota is not for everybody either yeah so you know that's why they pay in sunshine when you go to florida yeah yeah, yeah that's just the way it is that's exactly right and the other that's thing is crazy. i i never made it i never made a, a, a you know a, a great living in radio the thing is the enjoyment i've got out of it it's one of those right. things that you just purely do out of enjoyment right. and it's like now i get my podcast show i don't have to be doing a podcast show i'm retired from radio i did uh, mm. you know january 1st 2023 was my last my last official day yeah i don't need to but the thing is i always view this podcast as a uh, a nicotine patch to keep me from asking <laughs> for my own job back <laughs> I may have to steal that and give you royalties. I just might have to do that. You know, there's so many people, when you talk about the podcast, there's so many people specifically that are in the manufacturing realm. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put this screw in this hole X amount of times during the day, and I'm told when to take lunch, and I go home at 3.30, and I get my paycheck. So the only thing that's important, because I don't really give a crap where they use this screw that Mm -hmm. I just made, is the money. Inevitably. They will say, well, how much money do you make doing this podcast thing? And I said, I make exactly the same amount that you do when you golf. (laughs) And I get this deer in the headlight thing. And they say, well, I don't make money at golf. Yes, that's right. You pay them for tee times, right? Yes, I do. Well, why do you do it? Well, because I really enjoy it. And I get together with friends and I have a fun time and it's out in the weather and I'm 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 outdoors. And I'm going... There's your answer. Yeah, I set my own hours just like you do. Thank as you. As far as that goes. I mean, I, Monday, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays is when I do my interviews. From 9 a.m. till noon, I book one slot a day. Yep. I don't want to overdo it. Mm-hmm. And then I offer uh, Monday nights for the people who have to actually have day jobs. <laughs> <laughs> I, had a, I had a guy last night. He is a scientist at, uh, I think, the University of Cincinnati. Okay. Uh, his bass player also works within the creative department of the, of the, of the University of Cincinnati and the... Uh, the drummer was actually in New York at the time, and he was, um, uh, I think he has to do with uh, in the medical services type thing as far oh. as he's the one that actually repairs uh, or, or troubleshoots problems with medical equipment oh, sure. on site and yeah. such. I know a guy like that. Yeah, and it, it was just just a fun review. And by the way, that same guy that I know, his name is Ron Scott, he and I were just sort of talking one time. And he says, oh, man, what you're doing now reminds me of what I used to do in the 70s. I'm going, what are you talking about? Because he's been doing medical equipment for as long as I've known him. He was the radio announcer and the morale officer for the radio station in a submarine. Nice. Yes. They would give him a stipend to go in when they would 
when they would land, they would port to go buy records. And oh. he would go get Doobie Brothers and Eagles and bring them back. And, nice. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? He goes, oh, no. He's and just, you've got a captive audience, too. Yeah, oh, big-time captive audience. <laughs> like that. Yeah. And he said, there's no way. We were sitting at, yeah. at a booth like this. He says, there's no way that whole radio station was not bigger than this. Yeah. But he says, we loved it. So it was entertainment. It was information. It was keep the morale uh-huh. up. He loved it. And I'm going, Ron, how long have I known you? And there's nothing that has come up like this yeah. before. He goes, yeah, you didn't ask. Yeah. Well, okay. how, how big was our OK studio? It was pretty roomy. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, I don't know, 20 by 20. Oh, that is a good size studio. Maybe yeah. something like that. I, you know, the, the yeah. great big uh, metal uh, cart turnstiles. Uh-huh. And then we also had them wall-to-wall ceiling to, to floor. Carts um, and such, yeah. Yeah, but, but now the, the, the same room had two different studios. Uh, when I was there for my first tour, it was a stand-up studio. You could be on sort of a high chair, but it was mm-hmm. a stand-up studio, <laughs> and it was flame-throwing rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. All right. So then when I went to West Virginia and I came back for my second tour, uh, we had redone the studio because we were going from Top 40 to Talk. Uh-huh. And so it had that sort of horseshoe look to it right. with it, four or five microphones. Right, exactly, yeah. And all sit down. And, of course, the turntables were hidden because you didn't need those Ooh, anymore. No, I know, I know. Uh, so that box took on a whole different look yeah. in the two times I was there. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah I was kind of thinking what the smallest studio I've ever worked at was probably the second station I worked at in Guam. It was literally a size of a shoebox. It, 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 would, it would be literally about this size, literally mm. this size right here. Wow. Uh, you had your carts over here, uh, a set of Delta cart machines. Sure. You had the board. And then we didn't have any turntables. We had reel-to-reels on this side here. Oh my. It was literally this size right here. Wow. And it would look about the size of a normal production studio. And they weren't confined because of, like, a submarine. They just happened to be small. Yeah, they just happened to be small. They were tied with the uh, TV station they had. There was KUAM uh, in Guam, KUAM-FM, and KUAM-TV in Guam. Yeah. The smallest station I ever was in was the high school radio station. Oh, really? Okay. Because... We had to talk to Angelo, the chief janitorial supervisor, in order to get some space. Uh-huh. And the principal said, if you can get some space, I'll let you do the, t- the radio station. Mm-hmm. So off I go. And Don Erickson, the principal, was not helping me at all. He uh-huh. goes, no, no, you have to go get it. Uh-huh. Well, he was teaching me a lesson, right. obviously. So Angelo was very broken English, mm-hmm. very Italian. He offered to move pallets of toilet paper in this storage unit next to the cafeteria in order for us to set up a radio station. So here we are walking through once we, you know, of course we had keys. Ooh, that was special. And we had to walk through all of this hand sanitizer and all this other junk before we got to the radio station in the back because that's where they have the toilet paper. We we did it for a very long time, and it was so much fun. I know. That's just, uh. the, it, the thing is, it's kind of like this feature that I have in my show. It's called Tales from the Road. Those are those infamous road stories of things that happen. Yeah. I- inevitably. It's basically your spinal tap moments. But we also have them in radio, too. Yeah. Uh, moments that didn't go quite as planned. Mm-hmm. Uh, I or, mean, or that went really, really well that you couldn't have seen coming. Oh, yeah. Went really well, but you didn't have an air check tape in no. there. And you, you forgot to put an air check tape in You have in. no it's, proof. Oh, no, absolutely no proof. Of it. It's like, <laughs> I caught a fish this big. Well, where's the, where's the photo of it? Yeah. Uh, what's, the, what's the most unusual moment that happened on air? Boy, I think when we were doing our broadcast at Walt Disney World, uh-huh. we were the first ones to do satellite broadcast 
radio-wise, uh, in Rockford. And they sent us an engraved invitation, literally an engraved wow. invitation for their 15th birthday. So Jack Lambia and I went down there. We did one show at Magic Kingdom. We did one show at Epcot. Of course, they keep us very occupied in our non-show hours, right, yeah. either with prep or behind-the-scenes stuff. So we have content. We, mm-hmm. we have things to talk about. Uh, they said, well, we've got a bunch of interviews that are going to be group interviews set up over at Epcot tonight. We're going, okay. okay so we're like good. cows. Uh-huh. We just go wherever they tell us. Mm-hmm. And you walk in, and you see Helen Hayes. And then you walk to another building, and there's Roger Ebert sitting with Dolly Parton. Mm-hmm. And then on and on and on. And, you know, there was no interviewing. I didn't have any questions. I'm 24 years old. Uh-huh. I'm standing there with my mouth hanging Absolutely. open. Absolutely. You're in awe of everything that's yes, going on. Yes, yeah. yes. We didn't really have really good equipment for remote interviews like that. We had great equipment for broadcasting. So we just sort of geeked out and took some pictures and went to the next (laughs) building. And there was a complete array of people. And and I'll tell you, when you're talking about uh, the the surprise things that you do not anticipate, Mm -hmm. Gene Hawk was our uh, escort. And he was from the wardrobe department. And he came up to us one morning and he says, all right, guys, I've been told to offer you whatever you want to do. And it's my job to go make it happen. Jeez. I says, what does that mean? And he goes, it's whatever you think it means. That's what they told me. <laughs> Ask them what they want to do, and let's try to make it okay. happen. Right. So Jack and I are looking at each other going, Gene, we need a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he walks away, and he comes back. And he says, um, I, I know this is asking a lot, but I would like to broadcast from the Living Seas, because it was relatively brand new. Mm-hmm. And he goes, oh, that's no problem. We could set up a table. And I go, no, no, no. I want to broadcast in the living seas. Mm. And he goes, you mean underwater? I said, yeah. He goes, I'll be right back. And it was like 20 minutes later, and he goes, we have training tomorrow morning. It's like, come on. Oh, are you geez. kidding me? Wow. So then on top of that, he tells us at maybe, I don't know, 1030. Mm-hmm. And this is during the show. We're, we're 30 minutes in. He says, at 1 o'clock this afternoon... You are going to interview Bob Ballard. He found the Titanic not too awful long before we were there. Mm-hmm. Now, come on. How much can you prep for an interview like oh, that? That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. And he was the most welcoming, enjoyable guy you would ever, ever sit down and talk to because he knew we were ignorant. Yeah. <laughs> he knew yeah. we had no clue. Yeah. None. Those were those that were was, the no that was a that was a wonderful one. I had, my my most surprising one that I really and truly f- kind of geeked over was um, I did a show for the national uh, for the National Auto Association through All Star Radio called Back in the Pits. It was hmm. a uh, daily ninety second bit about the National Hot Rod Association because everyone was covering IndyCar, everyone was covering NASCAR, but no one was covering the National Hot Rod Association. So I struck a chord with the NHRA. Very happy. I attended the 50th annual Big Go. It was the Labor Day weekend special they have at Indianapolis. It is the Super Bowl. A 50th annual one, okay? And, and where was this? This is Indianapolis. Oh, it is. Okay. It's a, a Claremont, actually. It's just, it's just to the west of downtown Indy. Okay. So... I show up there to the media trailer. I'm getting my credentials and everything. I said, yeah, hi, I'm Rick Anthony, All-Star Radio Network. Just a moment, please. He's here. He's here. You know, and <laughs> the, the eagle and, has yeah, landed. The, the, he's here. He's here. And a lady comes <laughs> out and, and uh, greets me. She says, Mr. Anthony, uh, I am your assistant for the weekend. 
Uh, we have a golf cart assigned to you. Here's your walkie-talkie. Uh, here are your your meal tickets. You will will have will have meals at such and such in the media tent. Um, I am here at your disposal to do whatever you need. I says, well, well, I have my wife and my engineer with me here. I said, well, we'll get you another golf cart then. So we had two golf carts. I had an assigned parking spot and a red carpet. It, yeah, basically, <laughs> I had carte blanche. Unbelievable. I did uh, 23, 24 interviews of drivers that weekend. Holy from cow. Uh, from uh, the pit of uh, Doug Herbert. He had the. Uh, uh, snap was it Snap on Tools? I think it was Snap on Tools or whatever uh, at, at the time. It was just a fun, fun weekend. That's where wow. everything went well. Conversely, <laughs> conversely, here we go. Those moments that things didn't go so well. It would be New Year's Eve, nineteen ninety-seven, going into nineteen ninety-eight. Uh, it is a. I'm I'm setting. We're doing a countdown show of the top ninety-six party songs. Oh no, it wasn't it wasn't that? It was the top ninety-six classic hit songs. Are you on location? I'm on location at okay. what used to be the old St. Louis Playboy Club. Wow. So uh, here's the big problem: is we're playing classic rock. The clientele that normally goes there wants to hear dance and hip hop. Oh no. Okay. Big problem there. Someone apparently <laughs> it's some of the sales folks and whoever the 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 owner was didn't necessarily convey that or they kind of made a promise that doesn't happen type thing okay oh no all right so <laughs> i've got an un- unruly crowd we want to we want to dance to something you can't dance to american pie or stairway to heaven <laughs> even for that matter sweet home alabama is a little little, that, little, little yeah, challenging it's too. stretching it so anyways uh, <laughs> this, uh and i'm broadcasting the top 96 songs and, and getting booze from the audience and so it's a, it's an unhappy crowd it's 12 degrees outside they have oversold the gig there's not there's too many people so you got the fire marshal on your back obviously somebody 9 30 we run out of food <laughs> 11 50 i'm told we're about to make last call we haven't even got to midnight yet okay now i have not eaten at all because I, I was told oh no problem we'll, we'll get you food and everything like that no my engineer is looking at me and you know, oh, he, he and, I, and my wife, my late wife, was there at the time too. So, <laughs> so what a I'm looking wreck. over. Someone is drunk, and they're urinating on the side of the DJ console. <gasps> oh. So, so I, I have to make an announcement. Says three, two, one. Happy New Year. Last call. <laughs> oh no! So a fight breaks out. My engineer <laughs> says the cops are on their way. He rushes me out. He says, I'll take care of the gear and everything like this. You just get your wife and get the heck out of here. Unbelievable. I have to throw it to the studio with eight songs left. Now, we still haven't eaten. We decide we're going to hit a Denny's in our hometown. Oh, okay. No. So we get there. A fight breaks out in the Denny's. Oh. And my, my late wife and I, just it was Dude. one of those moments. Please, Calgon, take me away. Years later, I, I wound up <laughs> at a gig, and the owner of that place, they were, we were just kind of you know, tell it, talking you know, war stories and such like that. The name was called Kirby's. And I said, well, uh, I said, what do you do? I, I'm the manager of Kirby's. I'm going, were you the manager in 1997 Uh-oh. going into 1998? He goes, yes, I was. And he goes, um, I was your disc jockey that night. Mm. It was, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Everything that could have gone wrong yeah, went wrong. Much. Yeah. It was one of those things. It was the, God. as I call it, the New Year's from hell. That is such a great story, yeah. though. Because yeah. you can't make that up. Yeah. You can't even make up part of it. I got another, another good one for you, too. It's uh, Thanksgiving 19... I think it was 1997 also, come to think of it. Uh, it was thanks- Thanksgiving. <laughs> I'm on the air doing the overnight shift. It was, as a matter of fact, it was black going into Black Friday. It was, it was Thanksgiving okay. night into Black Friday. Or it would start at midnight, and I would get off at 6 a.m. 
about 3 a.m., I start getting the itches. My, my back starts to itch, and I'm thinking, okay, well, gosh, maybe it didn't use the right softener or something like that. By 4 o'clock, I'm really in trouble. I'm getting itching everywhere. I'm looking on my arms, and there's welts popping up on my arms. Oh, my. I realized that my children had gotten exposed to chicken pox uh, about 14 days prior. <laughs> and there's nothing funny about I that. Had, I had not <laughs> ever had chicken pox as oh, a child. No. Oh. So I have full-blown chicken pox <laughs> at 6 a.m. I'm calling, I'm calling the local hospital. They said, yeah, we've been listening to the last hour of your show, and uh, we've got a room waiting for you. Just come on down. Oh, man. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Unbelievable. Yeah, but that was just so funny. That was just so funny. And oh. I had it everywhere, boys and girls, everywhere. <laughs> and uh, there, uh, there was a time where uh, Dave said, and that same friend of mine, mm-hmm. we were at the house where, uh, you know, I was living at my mom's house mm-hmm. at the time, and I had to go on the air that night. And we kept hearing this and we just we couldn't track it down well all of a sudden we did we tracked it down to this piece of drywall in the garage and that entire two areas in between the two by fours turned out to be filled with bees oh dear lord but they had eaten which i didn't understand this part at all they had eaten the drywall away or at least you know chipped it away Uh in order to make room for their honey Mm -hmm. and the only thing was there was paper so as we went over and we touched it, it all broke away. Oh, and dear Lord. bees are all over us. Oh, my Lord. So we ran over to another part of the garage and we picked up a four by eight, uh, three quarter inch piece of plyboard. Uh-huh. And we're going to put it in front of this drywall, uh-huh. you know, to sort of keep them in there. Well, I dropped the plyboard on my foot. Oh, nice. So I had to do my entire show, my six hour show, with my foot in the air. You know, to keep the blood down. Uh-huh. So I got maybe three hours in and I said, I hardly ever do this, but I need you guys' help. Here's what happened. Blah, blah, blah. I need some help. Uh-huh. Well, keep in mind, when I got off at 12 midnight mm-hmm. on that Sunday, I drove back to the university, which is about 50 minutes away. And I had an eight mm-hmm. o'clock in the morning class. So there's a whole lot that they can't do. <laughs> it's oh, sort of yeah, in that category. Exactly, yeah. Can you imagine doing your show with your feet in the air? I mean, how bizarre. Sounds like, sounds like Dave Grohl doing the, the concert he did in, yeah. uh, was it uh, Norway or, uh, or or Sweden or so, where he fell off the stage and, he, and they had to have the uh, EMT actually hold it for two hours. He held his... his uh, so the show went on. The show went on. Wow. Yeah. Well, you should have seen the looks from the newsroom I when they imagine. came in. They're going, yeah. what, what are you doing? Really? There's no visual effect in radio. Put your legs down. No, Fred, <laughs> trust me. It's a, it's a problem. I want to be able to bring people up to speed a little bit. Guest today is Rick Anthony. He is a, a guy that I met at the Museum of Broadcast Communications. He has a podcast called Someone You Should Know. We are in Maryville, Indiana, in the middle of January, in the middle of pouring rain, at a diner called Maxims. Yeah. Thanks, Maxims, for hosting us, too. Yeah, so now you are officially up to date with what we're doing. Have you had a guest, predominantly, I think, on your podcast, where... You sort of thought the guest was going to be normal, average, what, and they just exceeded your expectations. I just had a couple recently that were like that. One was uh, a guy by the name of Justin Sullivan. He makes a living being 
A Night with the Gambler is what it's called. Okay, it's a tribute to Kenny Rogers. Okay. He looks just like Kenny Rogers, and we're oh. talking about the Kenny Rogers, the Kenny Rogers we all fell in love with, the, the kind of the yeah. the the, uh, the before steroids and before uh, liposuction and yeah. all that good stuff. Yeah, we were just going to basically play like Lady or or, or uh, I think we'd already play the Gambler or the Cowardly County, whatever we might might have played. And so he just had a couple of those songs. So I wasn't sure exactly how this was going to go. And I, I'm a big fan of tribute acts because they really and truly bust their ass to put they out do. a good, good good show. They do. So this guy starts telling me these stories, and next thing you know, I am laughing so hard. Uh, Is he just a jokester? No, it's just the stories that he did. He, I said, did you ever, ever use your looks to get a free meal or something like that? He goes, you would not know how many times I did that. And there was one particular place, I think it was in North Carolina, where he did that, and the lady goes, are you him? And Aww. it says, yeah, I'm he. Yeah, I, that, I, that's me. I'm he. I'm yeah, not lying. Just, just, I am he. Uh, yeah. And <laughs> she said, she said could, I, could I bother you? If, could we get a video of you making a hamburger in the back? No. And he said, sure, I'd love to do that. And people, the, the, the crew was fighting over who got to get the burger that that's the Kenny Rogers lookalike. Yeah, that's and hilarious. And he said, he said, the true thing was, he says, you've got a bunch of pictures of me. I want to get a couple of pictures with you. Oh, mm-hmm. do you want to do that? Certainly. He goes, yeah. he goes, and he stands there, and just as about ready to take a thing, he says, by the way, my name is Justin Sullivan. And the girl goes, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, it's, it was a great story. He just had so many fun stories about that. Uh, Good that for it him. Was just, it was just one of those things. And there was a couple of interviews I've had that were kind of flat that I kind of thought were going to go better. Did you ever interview a celebrity that really and truly let you down? Oh, yeah. Oh, geez. Billy Barty. Oh, really? And it was completely my fault. At WROK, we had this series of desks that we called a bullpen. So any of the jocks, not the newsroom or anything, but any of the jocks would have shared desks with each other, depending mm-hmm. on your airship. Exactly, yep. You know, I'm grabbing all my stuff and I'm going in for the show. I grabbed the wrong bio. So when it was time to have Billy Barty on, mm-hmm. I was reading somebody else's bio. Oh, dear Lord. Hey, Billy, I understand. Blah, blah, blah. No. You know, back in the 1960s when this happened to you, you know, because I'm like 25 years mm-hmm. old, you know, I don't know what I was like being married to Diane Keaton. <laughs> <laughs> Diane who? Yeah. And he hung up on me. Oh, geez, yeah. He did. He goes, I can't take this anymore. And I did not Jeez. realize yeah. what manure pile uh-huh. I had stepped in. I just didn't understand Jeez. why all these facts, which I had clearly uh-huh. documented for another guest for uh-huh. another day, was just falling flat. Oh, oh God. Geez, and he goes, yeah. I, can't, I can't take any more of this. And he hung up. Yeah. I'm going, okay. Yeah. That's about the only one. Yeah. The one I had that really let me down was Gallagher, you, the sledgematic oh, guy. Oh, the late, yeah. The Gallagher. Yeah. Because uh, I'd seen all of his specials and such, and he was just a hoot. And just I, I saw him in concert one time. Real funny, funny guy. And we got him on the show, and he had this idea that he was pitching this to Las Vegas. It was going to be a hotel that was that would be strictly for individuals having family reunions. It would cater to that particular thing. Okay. That's all he wanted to talk about. He did not want to talk about the sledgematic. Do you want to talk about any part of his act? Whoa. He was he, so it's like okay, I prepared five minutes worth of material here, and we're going to get done with about sixty seconds. Thanks so much, Gallagher. Have a great day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that would that would have fell flat. Do you ever have any equipment problems in the studio? Yeah, particularly on the phone. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah when I would be yeah. running a contest or something, yeah. something would happen to where the phone would not connect to the board. Uh-huh. 
And, you know, you don't get the whole excited, I yeah. won $1,000, you know, blah, blah, blah. You don't get that. <laughs> and you go, well, I've done this a hundred times. Uh-huh. What's my problem? And, you know, it didn't take much. You know, it was yeah. just some kind of a little wire. And I'd call Jack or I'd call, you know, somebody from the, you know, bowels of the engineering. Mm-hmm. And they'd come up and they'd go, well, let's see what the problem is. Oh, yeah. And, of course, they'd push and, this and, wire and, and, and together. Of course, you hear the angels go, Yeah, Aww. yeah, yeah. And they push these two connectors <laughs> together, and they go, there, there you, you go. are. You are back to go. And I'm like, oh, really? You make it look so easy. Maybe they disconnected it while you were out in the bathroom or something no, like that. No, no, no. Most of our stuff yeah. was on location, which, granted, you know, my God, you're dealing under every kind of circumstance you could possibly imagine. Yeah. Like you're talking about the guy peeing on your equipment, yeah. you know. Most of the people are wondering with Liz and I, with our other podcast, Life's 3x5s, because why do you guys choose to do it all on location? Wouldn't that be the horror mm-hmm. of not knowing and things breaking down and not having service and blah, blah, blah. And knock on wood, we have had pretty good You're luck. You're lucky there. Very, very lucky. Pretty yeah. good luck. So we keep doing it. Did you ever have Scott Studios? Where you have the touch screens? No, no. not. No. I have, that tells you how old one, I am. One of my, one of my favorite, uh, one of my very favorite moments is when uh, I was at K-Hits 96 in St. Louis and they had switched from I can't remember what it was to uh, Scott Studios, and mm-hmm. those are all touch screens. You just touch them if you want. If you want to fire a song, just you know, you, you punch it in and just hit the button. That would be so just, weird. Okay. Yeah. No, they, no cart machines. First, nothing. It, no, it's, it was yeah. all it was all done that yeah. way. Here, here's the fun part though. Uh, <laughs> they had the sensitivity level not calibrated correctly. I okay. didn't know you nope. could set that. Apparently, apparently the engineers uh, do that kind of thing. Wow, because us dumb jocks don't do that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, but we had a we had an incident where um, I had to sneeze, and I I was busy doing something else with my hands that I just sneezed to the left, and the <laughs> computer monitor that had to be right in that right spot, I fired off an entire stop set. Oh, all at once. All at once. All at once with wow. one big old goober. <laughs> oh, my God. And then you're wondering what you did. Yeah. And then yeah. trying to stop it all. Yeah. Well, that's just it. Exactly. But yeah, it was just like, you know, go, stop, stop, ugh, stop, ugh, stop. <laughs> There's a rag. <laughs> this is not a snot story. Yeah. But it's close to a snot yeah. story. There was a, uh, God, I want to say he was our program director at one time, but I don't think he was program director at the mm-hmm. time. And he heard that Ken DeCoster in the newsroom, or maybe John Strandon, you just could not break them up. Mm -hmm. I don't care what you do. That was the rumor. You could not break them up. So, of course, he's in there on the weekends, and he's in his polo shirt, and he's all relaxing. And, you know, he's just in there doing his work. Mm -hmm. He's not on the air or anything. So there's no repercussions. Uh Yeah. And he goes up to John Strandon in the newsroom with the glass in between. And tries to make him laugh. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And Charlie goes, he holds up his finger and he goes, I'll be right back. So he goes to the refrigerator, gets this bowl, puts everything in this bowl. Ketchup, mustard, pickles, any kind of crap that you could possibly Mm -hmm. mix together in a big bowl. He brought that bowl back and smeared it all over the glass. And then he started licking it off. Oh, dear Lord. And Strandon lost it. Oh, jeez. And, of course, the jock on the other side, who's waiting for the news to finish, uh-huh. is dying. I don't know if it was Chuck Doyle or Joe James or who it was. Uh-huh. So when it's time for the news to finish, you hear nothing but laughing. 
And Charlie became our operations manager. Jeez. Yeah, thanks for the role model on that one, will you? <laughs> hey, Tim, what was the most unusual request you ever had? Uh, this is way, way back. This is my first radio station, WLUV, which I actually worked for again in 2022 after uh, the owner died at the age of 98. Jesus. He still owned the station. And it looked like a hoarder's reality show. Oh, my. And they said, we need to get this all up and nice and rolling and sell it because the family doesn't want to be in radio. So here's this family. They're called the Rasmussen family. And there must have been six people in that family. And they would take turns calling the radio station asking for the same song. Well, wouldn't you think that would increase your chances for getting that song played? Mm -hmm. Them not putting two and two together that we've connected we we know who you are mm-hmm. and it was loretta lynn's don't come home a drinking well really how many people are going to request that specific song no it's the same family yeah exactly so it was just weird that way yeah yeah i had uh, two that i'd like to share one of which was this girl called up and she wanted to hear a specific song she wanted to hear daddy's hands by holly dunn Okay. Her father passed away. She had gone on about four or five minutes about, you know, he died of bladder cancer, but he was just the wondrous, greatest guy in the entire world. And, you know, this big old sob story and everything like this. I said, sweetheart, this is after four or five minutes of just telling me. I, I don't, can't get a word in edgewise. <laughs> I said, sweetheart, we don't have that particular song. I'm very sorry. She said, well, just play Honky Tonk Badonkadonk. <laughs> I thought, man, I've been had. Well, I've she, been had. she had a plan B. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Play honky tonk badonkadonk. Oh, good Lord. The other one was <laughs> I had I came on at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I was working 2 to 6. This is at WIL in St. Louis, one of the big, big country legend stations. Lo and behold, about 4 o'clock, I get the, 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 the phone ring. I said, hi. I said, yeah, we've been waiting to hear a song. I said, what song is that? You know, I can't remember what the song was. It said, uh, yeah, we've been waiting to take the body out of the hearse and take it to the gravesite. We wanted to hear that song. No. And we told the jock that was on it before you that we, we wanted to hear that song. And he said he'd do his best to play it for us. Oh. And here it is. Uh, we've been waiting almost over two hours now. When are you going to play that song? No. <laughs> and I, I, had to, you know, I had to stop and think. What is the mindset of an individual who doesn't think maybe get a cassette player or yeah, something anything. like that? Good, Do they have to call a local radio station? And I got so many death dedications as far as, oh, wow, a little bummed out today. What's the matter? says, well, you know, I'm thinking about my uncle who passed away. Oh, did he die away? Did just recently? No, no, no. Was this an anniversary? No, he died 15 years ago. When? <laughs> Last, you know, October. This is July. It's like. Did you There's feel, no relevance. No. Did you feel like Casey Kasem at that time? Yeah, the death dedication. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, my God. goodness. Yeah. Where's Don? Bring Don in. <laughs> <laughs> I want so someone weird. to make a concerted effort here. <laughs> I got to tell you one yeah. that uh, I don't know why it just popped into my head. I had the opportunity to interview Charlie Pride. Oh, yeah. I talked to Charlie, too. Yeah, He's a good guy. Mm, yep, yep, yep. Massive hands. Yeah. And did you know he used to play for the Milwaukee Brewers? No, I did not. No. That was a lot of what our conversation was. Mm-hmm. And it was three days after his jet Almost collided with another jet. Oh, my. It was very, very, very close. So he was still sort of shaken up by the thing. Well, my dad's cousin, which is considerably older than Mm -hmm. I am, I always knew was a huge Charlie Pride fan. So I called him up. I'm going to be going to this event. I'm only allowed one trip with Mm -hmm. my equipment. Mm -hmm. I need somebody to help me carry the equipment into this event. Would you be interested in doing it? And he goes, sure. He didn't ask where. 
He didn't ask what. Mm-hmm. He didn't nothing. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. He goes, "What time are you going to pick me up?" Ten thirty. Okay. He gets in the car. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So I give him the um, equipment, and of course nobody else knew. So it's mm-hmm. not like he had privy information. And we walked into one of these, you know, uh, uh, special rooms at the Holiday Inn on right. 11th Street. Mm-hmm. It still had paneling on the room, if that gives you an idea. There you go. And there was Charlie Pride. And I thought Denver literally, as a grown-ass man, was going to pee his pants. Yeah. And he did not say anything. He was in awe the entire time. Mm-hmm. It was just one of those really, really cool moments. Mm-hmm. And it happened to be Denver's birthday that day. Oh, how nice. Yeah. Yeah. Man, when you can do that kind of stuff and make the moons line up, mm-hmm. that's really, really cool. Yeah. Did you ever have a celebrity that uh, you're really connected with on a level that you really never thought would happen? Absolutely. Barbara and Louise Mandrell. Uh-huh. Yeah. I interviewed them both three times, never together, mm-hmm. and never in the same location. We had very, very nice conversations. Keep in mind, I'm like 19 years old. Right. They shouldn't have let me in the room at all, period. When it was time for me to pack up my stuff and say, hey, the show's going to start soon. Uh I want to get out of your way. Mm -hmm. When they say, well, no, we just sit here. Just sit and talk. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have the microphone on. That's why we've had a 40-year relationship. Relationship. That's nice. Because they're just the nicest people ever. I see a lot of that with country artists, too. I had uh, a moment with Aaron Tippin. Oh, no I was supposed to have uh, him on talk about his, his new album and everything like that. Wow. One of the things I love to do when I have guests is to find a little bit more about them, something that I have common bonds with. Mm-hmm. So we bring that up, and we're sort of talking. And says, yeah, Aaron, yeah, we're going to talk about your new album here, but uh, first I wanted to ask you a question. How do you like flying that Cirrus uh, SR-22? <laughs> and he goes, oh, you know I got a new Cirrus. <laughs> and I said, you were on the cover of uh, my Airline Owners and Pilots Association magazine. He oh, goes, how nice. So we started talking for 15 minutes about the plane oh. and the fact that it's a, got, you know, the left-handed joystick type thing oh. versus the control column. I said, I would... Re- we, we were talking about that. I said, you better talk about your album here. we got about a minute and a half left here. I think your, uh, your record company is going to be P.O.'d at me if we don't talk a little bit about your record. But that was it. We, we just connected on a level. It was just so, so yeah. cool. And, and the nice part about the podcast is there's no rules. Yeah. So there's no time restraints. Mm. That was actually on the radio. That, no, that was right. that was on the radio. That no, one was on the radio. Yeah, but I know. But you yeah. but you had you had a a, a time a, time constraint. Yeah, absolutely. In the, the, yeah, the podcast. Yeah, the podcast is just cool because when you really connect with an individual, uh, take it from you know, there. Just take it from there. I had a, a a guy by the name of Vince Tallarico. He is the he plays the role of Neil Peart in the Rush Experience, which is a great Rush cover band or tribute band. He played in the band, and I was a huge Rush fan through the years and such. And we just connected. And it was just it's like. Here is almost an hour into the interview. It's like, okay, um, this is going to be a lot of editing here, but that's okay. I'm just having a ball doing it. You know, there's sometimes you really and truly connect with an individual. It's kind of you feel a kinship, yeah, uh, of someone it, doing the same thing you're doing or something. You know, something that really and truly struck a chord with you. With the podcast, I know I've got that editability. Yeah. So if we go down a path and I sort of hit a brick wall of some sort, I can take it out and nobody will ever know right, the difference. Yeah, but. Yeah. When I was on with John Records Landecker on WGN, yeah, we did not so much before we opened up the mics. We did so, not so much shake hands. Uh-huh. We did not have any conversation of where are we going to go, what are we going to talk about, and I'm co-hosting a three-hour show with him on WGN. Uh-huh. So I don't know where the fences are. Uh-huh. I don't know if they're electric. Mm-hmm. I don't know where the landmines are, uh-huh. if any. Mm-hmm. I don't know. 
So I had to feel my way, and I don't know if he was doing the same, hmm. feel my way through this conversation. And then you get to a point, and I know you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Exactly. You get to this point where there's the connection, and you're good from yeah, there on absolutely. out. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when I told him, a friend of mine and I went into several radio stations in Chicago to see how the big guys did it. Yeah. We went to WLS, which is where John, you know, cut his teeth and was so gigantic right, in yeah. Chicago, mm-hmm. for those of you who are not in the area. And I was telling him the story about, you know, Paul Harvey got in the elevator with us on our way up to the fifth floor, blah, blah, blah. Right. And I says, you know, after all that, that could have been enough. We could have gone home. Um, I went up and I met with uh, Jim Smith. You remember Jim yeah, Smith? Jim Smith, you bet. And he goes, oh, yeah, he was my music director. And from then on, everything yeah, exactly. was fantastic. Yeah, exactly. But you don't know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Landecker was just so wonderful to talk to also. He was able to tell me about the origins of the boogie check, as far as that goes. Do you know that story? Do you, yeah. Do you guys know? Yeah. Front, and, and it was J.J. Jeffries. Uh, uh-huh. yeah. J.J. had a, a mustache, and he would go out on dates, but he would always do what we refer, you refer to as a booger check to make sure that he didn't have any extraneous uh, things sticking out of his nose. No bats in the cave. Absolutely, bats in the cave, true thing. <laughs> and, um, and I said, one of the coolest things you ever did was in 1977 when everybody was forced to listen to you light up my life, oh, and you managed to do Debbie Gibson's "You Light Up My Life" on the installment plan, where he would play like ten seconds of the song in the first part of his show, and then a couple hour, a couple minutes later, or half an hour later, he play another ten minutes or something like that. By the last part of the show, at at ten o'clock, when he got off and headed off to Jeff Davis, he would play the last three or four seconds of. And you light up my life. That's right. it. Yeah. It, it, but but to the music director or the program director, did you play Debbie Boone? Yes, I yes, did. Yes, he did. Play Absolutely. Did. And the I thi- did. And the thing is, with the individuals, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know about you. I used to record songs right off the radio. I did. You know, as far as that goes, you met an individual who wanted that song and have to sit through four hours of a show and then That's try right. to do the splice job on that. That's it. You know, sadly, some of those cassettes I still have. I do too. I know. I do too. And uh, I'm so grateful to God that. We're going back to when I first started talking about this. I have an old cassette tech tape of me with my voice cracking. Oh, yeah, yeah. Me so too. that's uh, <laughs> that. That was kind of a special thing. Mm. Kind of a special thing. Here's the other thing with um, digitizing and and being able to yeah. salvage all this stuff because you know they get brittle and over years and whatever. So I'm doing this during the pandemic, you know, making use of my time, and I pull out this white cassette, so it didn't have any you know memorax mm-hmm. or any of that on yeah. it and it didn't have a label on it and mm-hmm. i'm going god i'm i'm pretty anal retentive about this yeah this is sort of weird maybe the sticker fell off okay that's a possibility so i turn it over nothing on the other okay. side so i pop this thing in they were custom liners for wrok from casey Kasem. oh geez really on one side uh-huh and the other side were custom liners promoting their shows, yeah. you know, on WROK from Wolfman Jack. Oh, jeez. Here's a WROK hit-bound record that could be destined for AT40. That's a good take. Here's another one. Here's a WROK hit-bound record that could be destined for AT40. That's two good ones. Hi there, everybody. Hi, everybody, WROK. <laughs> oh my, here we go. We're going to do this uh, thing you sent in here. It says, uh, please feel free to ad lib for uh, 
these little bits, there's 12 of them here. We're going to lay them down to you right now. Hey, hey, this is the Wolf Man coming at you right after Casey Kasem tonight at 9 o'clock on WROK. It's Wolf Man Jack on Rockford's number one radio station, WROK. Pardon me? <laughs> that was big time. Bob Wilson said bullshit. This Wolfman Jack on Rockford's number one radio station, WROK. This is WROK Rockford, baby. And right now, it's 11 o'clock. Lay back and get all these good vibrations. And they weren't labeled. Jeez. So you can imagine if your mother got a hold of them, uh, oh, this is nothing, you know, like throwing out your baseball cards. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. what I did is I got a hold of people like Johnny Marks and Bill Shannon and mm. Ted Smucker and those guys, and I wanted these things to be in more than one place. Right, yeah. Which now it's so easy to share. I didn't want to be the only one with this, and then my computer crashes. Mm. That would exactly. suck. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like Scott Childers. He's kind of like the historian for LS. He is. And uh, I, I got a bunch of old WLS surveys. I mean, we used to go Friday, Friday afternoon after school, Immediately go to Dougalby's Records over here in Holbert, Indiana. We did. And I would get the WLS survey or whatever surveys were available. If I didn't get that one, I'd head over to Camelot Music over here in the mall. Not yeah. far from us. Tim was over here. And uh, and get, get the survey as far as that goes. And I, but my rule was this. Any song that broke into the top ten, I would buy. That was my rule as far as whether I liked the song or not. Okay. I would buy it because I would have to play it on, on my radio station type That's thing. That's true. That way I could slam it. Did you, yeah. ever, did you ever have a, a record store... That would allow you to play the flip side, so you know you were getting your dollar uh, twenty nines worth. No, no. We had one downtown on Mulberry, and oh yeah, I like uh, Beatles. You know, whatever. Yesterday, mm -hmm. but what's the second side yeah. sound like? I felt pretty good about it because you know, dollar twenty nine back in nineteen seventy seven. You know, I was the stipend for yeah, the radio exactly. station. Yeah, exactly. On those rack jobbers that were, you know, putting all those, uh, doing the updates and yeah. stuff like that. Man, I wanted to do that job. I'd really like, <laughs> I, I followed the charts. I religiously, at the age of 17, my senior year in high school, I had a subscription to Billboard magazine. Did you really? I did. I paid $75 for a year. That way I could follow it. And I loved those big, huge pictures and oh. stuff like that. I had this beautiful one of Anne and Nancy Wilson. Oh, dear God. <laughs> As, as Steve Martin would say, the hours I held up that photo with one hand, you know. <laughs> no, it's, it's just. And it's not because you're queuing up no, a record. No, absolutely. No. <laughs> or unless queuing up a record is a metaphor. <laughs> oh, jeez, no. But no, that was, uh, it, it was just amazing. I used to love that. And I used to follow those charts religiously. And that was a, a top 20 song. I said, no, it was actually a top 10 song. Or, or it would, no, or, no, it peaked at, at 22 yeah. uh, on this particular week. And they're on this particular label. And, it's the, and this is who produced it. And I'm going, I, I have all these facts that. Absolutely mean nothing to no one. But the thing is, I could forget my PIN number, but I could tell you Elton John was on Rocket Records after MCA. You know, and That's it. There was a guy that found out about our Storyteller Studio mm -hmm. by mistake. He's in California. He was not being able to sleep that night. He got up at like 1.30 or 2 in the morning. And you know how some of the podcasting will say, well, if you like this one, you might like this right, one. Yeah, yeah. So he starts looking at Storyteller Studio, and he starts looking at these names, and he goes, I know these people. Mm -hmm. He used to work at WROK from 1974 to 1979. Mm -hmm. His name is John Schweisberger, mm -hmm. Chris Kelly on the air. Somehow he tracks me down through my wife at her job. He says, I'd love to be on this. I'm going to be home in Rockford not too awful long. Yes, fine. We got together. We got 
five or six people together, had lunch, had a wonderful time, started to sit down doing the show, and he goes, I brought some stuff to give to you, and I also brought some stuff to show to you. So I didn't know which was which. He brings out this 1976 T-shirt of WLS Animal Stories oh, with, a, with yeah. a beaver on it. Right, exactly, yeah. And it was thin. Uh-huh. It was really thin. Yeah. And I, it was a size small. And I thought he was going to show it to me. He goes, I'm giving this to you. Oh, jeez. So then I took it over to Hobby Lobby and have it all framed up. Because, you know, mm-hmm. right before he left, he said, I want to leave all of these with you. He had collected every music survey oh, that geez. WROK put out every week that he had worked at the radio station. Mm-hmm. So from 1974 to 79. Now he's going to do, I mean, this is the whole 360 deal. Right. Now he's going to do a countdown show on Sky 7, uh-huh. which is the radio station I'm on mm-hmm. in Phoenix, Arizona, beginning next month using those surveys. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. So he'll look up the trivia. He'll tell you a little right. something about Fleetwood Mac or whatever. Right. And the guy that runs the radio station, Sky 7 in Phoenix, mm-hmm. is the same guy that I talked to you about, Shotgun Mark Rivers. Yep, yep. yep. Who helped me start the high school radio station? The same guy. His name is Mike Lamb. Hi to everyone listening to Storyteller Studio podcast all over the world. I'm Isba Snabash, and I'm here to tell you that Tim really appreciates your dedication to the show. But I'm also here to let you in on a huge secret Tim Larson leads a second life as an author. As a writer, he's known as Tim Dingus. D-I-N-G-U-S. His three drastically different books can be easily found on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. You'll find things to think about for at least one minute, the comings and goings of t-shirts and the power of props. As we all know, Tim's mind runs non-stop and these are just the book versions. Again, just search Tim Dingus on Amazon and discover the author side of your podcast host. Now back to more of Tim's impromptu conversation on the Storyteller Studio podcast. What other kind of things are you, I guess, taking on as a project or something like What else occupies Rick Anthony's time? You know, it's amazing. Uh, Leslie and I had a very busy year last year. She lost her mother and her father. And so we had been very, very busy going down there, caring for her mom until she passed, and a variety of things, getting the house you know, ready to get sold and such like that. So last year, we didn't get a chance to travel. Mm. Mm-hmm. This year, we are doing some traveling. And because she and I love to travel and I love to be creative, we are going to be doing a lot of videos this year. I bought her a brand-new laptop for Christmas, the you know, state-of-the-art Apple, and, uh, and I got a copy of Final Cut Pro. I spent the last three weeks learning that from top to bottom inside and out it is fun to learn that kind of I, stuff and the thing is at my at our at our age at our age it's always uh it's always nice yeah. to be creative and such like that I, I was lucky when i was with the all-star radio network for those 19 years i got a chance to do a lot of uh video editing and a lot of being creative and the whole thing with this is now uh just the opportunity to be creative i did something a couple of days ago which was really cute 
I'm shoveling out for the birds and, and squirrels to get to and everything like that. And I, I put it to some kind of music, you know, and I did it all. I sped it up and everything like this. And I put a couple, another, uh, another clip in and another clip in. And it just flowed so well. I'm going, yeah, I still got the chops to do it. Wow. And so is this a TikTok thing or no, Instagram? No, 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 no. Actually, that I just posted. I posted it on Facebook because it was like four minutes long. And, of course, the rules on, well, this is going to be less than 60 seconds. Right. You right. can't do this particular thing and slap, slap your ham on this particular thing. And right. You'd rather be in the area where there's no rules. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. No, Christ. Which you know, that, that's, that, was the, that was the day of me, you know, hey, I want total creative freedom. You know? Yeah. Oh, I'll, yes. I'll take a dollar less. Give me creative freedom. <laughs> Yeah, and then they give you a bowl of soup to go. Oh, there make, you go, absolutely. To make up for it. Here's a hat. <laughs> do you still have a lot of those promotional I, products from back in the I day? I do, I do, because uh, they're kind of treasured memories for me. I mean, I've got a lot of moth-eaten shirts uh, from yeah. radio stations. I too had a WLS Animal Stories shirt from '79. Uh, I have no idea where it is now with the numerous moves that I've done through the years. I have no idea where it is, but most of the stations I worked at, uh, I have. Uh, at least a piece of memorabilia from something. them. Yeah, yeah, as far as yeah. it goes. If it's not a bumper sticker or something like that, I've got a nice collection of bumper stickers, too, that yeah. I used to I used to plaster on my walls. So you know, I. Just with push pins and stuff like that. Recently, they talked about WLS's 100th anniversary. Mm-hmm. WGN's 100th was last year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they make the whole big thing. Right, they yeah. pull all the big stuff out. And uh, there are probably five different Facebook pages that I follow mm-hmm. That, you know, uh, Midwest radio memories, exactly, you know, stuff yeah, like yeah. that, right? And so I went downstairs and I took a picture of this uh, WLS travel mug with Larry Lujak on it. Uh-huh. And then I looked a little further and it's like, oh, crap, I've got another one. So I took a picture of that and I posted it. And there's unbelievable amount of comments that go along with it going, oh, I used to have one of those. And then they go ahead and tell the story of how it exactly. disappeared. Yeah, yeah. Or some people say, geez, I am a gigantic fan and i'm a long uh, lifelong um resident of chicago and i have never seen that mug that kind of stuff it's just it's really cool and you just can't force yourself to throw it away yeah. and that's a good thing there's a lot of it, a lot of cool video too if you look online especially if you're a fan of wls and such oh. terry Ryder was uh, was a guest on my show terry was uh, she did the uh, overnights She's a cut-up. She is a darling. She's Man. a darling. Love her very, very much. She, She's very quick-witted. She told me that she had a role to play in a, uh, a video they were doing that, was, that had to do with Bigfoot. The, 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 the guys that basically were to tell you to be quiet in the movie theaters and such like that. Okay. And uh, Lou Jack and, um, uh, let me see, it was Tommy... It was uh, Fred Winston, it was Brant Miller, oh. and it was Turi. Oh. And Turi was the secretary, and uh, she had to wear this little outfit, this little thing that she says I wouldn't be caught dead in, you know, type thing. <laughs> and uh, she was telling me about how chivalrous that Larry was, as far as, you know, he wanted to make sure she got home safely wearing that particular outfit and such. Oh. It just amazes me of, of some of the things. And that particular piece of um, memorabilia, is is online so you just look for that particular thing i still love radio swag you know oh. it's it's just it's just one of those things a, a bumper sticker it or is. a, a keychain i know i had a wls um litter bag that was signed by yvonne daniels come on yeah this is this is that was she was at the uh, auto show 75 oh. auto show oh that makes sense yeah and she yeah. and she uh, she signed that yeah wow i remember the uh, auto show that i went to took my son and one of his buddies they were maybe 10 years old, something like that. And it was at that point where you could say, go off, have a good time, meet us back here for lunch at this time. 
we go up to this particular display, and it's gigantic WLS. I mean, it's just huge. And it was John Landecker and Catherine Johns. Oh, yeah. 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 And at the time, I was more interested in Catherine Johns because I had seen Landecker. Yeah, I know yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I see him on the surveys and everything. Yeah. But I had no idea what Catherine Johns looked like. Uh-huh. So my son has this picture of me gawking uh-huh. at this WLS broadcast. Mm-hmm. And he goes, this is my dad. It's like, uh, God. Well, that's is, just too. Everybody else is here to look at cars. And you're watching the radio station people. What's the matter with you? I wanted so badly to be a part of this one radio station when I was in Colorado Springs that I went to their celebrity softball game and videotaped it and took it into the GM's office. Oh, nice move. I I said, by the way, are you hiring? He goes, you need to talk to Bill Betts. Tell him I sent you. Wow. And I I gave him an air check tape. He says, can you start Saturday? You know, one of of those kind of things, you know. Nice. I just need some part-time hours and such. You know, here's a flip side or a flip story to that displays thing I was telling you about. Uh With the museum putting this on, it was Rock Radio Revisited. Mm -hmm. They had a panel and everybody was telling their stories and blah, blah, blah. Well, about halfway through, John Landecker said, hey, you know, I want to point out some people that are in the crowd that were either at WLS at the time or they were in the office, mm-hmm. and I'm really glad they're here, and they were very supportive and influential back in the day when we were all working there. They were our support staff, and Chuck Buell is here. Chuck. Uh, and uh, Chuck uh, was the, the row behind yeah, me, yeah. about five chairs. Yeah. So I leaned back, and I saw what he looked yeah. like, and I went up to him afterwards, and I said, Chuck, you don't know who I am, but I have something for you pulled it out of a pouch and he goes are you a record rep are you a record rep seriously and i pulled out a survey with him and chris eric stevens uh-huh. and it was probably 1974 something uh-huh. like that i pulled out a sharpie and i says i would really like for you to sign this and he goes yeah but then that'll ruin it and i said look i've got three duplicates oh dear God. so you're gonna have one, one to take to with you oh, exactly nice so fast forward, that was the day I met Art Volo. That was the day I met Ted Smucker. Oh, yeah. I, I met so many people. that That's the day that I met Pam Police, who was doing the Dick Biani film. Mm-hmm. It was an unbelievable day. What's the most unusual resume story you've ever heard? I heard of a guy that used to put $5. You'd attach $5 bill to the uh, resume and his tape, send it to the PD, and he said, the coffee's on me. Just listen to the tape. <laughs> Mine was a fortune cookie. Oh, really? Yeah. I did not receive this mm-hmm. as, a, as a resume, but uh, it's urban legend, I mm-hmm. guess, is that this um, person sent uh, their uh, resume and their tape back in the day. It was a reel-to-reel with a bunch of fortune cookies in this box and said, I see myself as part of the future of the radio station. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if it ever worked for him or not, I but I just remember hearing that story. I thought it was pretty well. I have no idea if it worked for this guy or not. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but yeah. it's it's sort of fun. That's just as fun as sharing war stories, you know? <laughs> it is. It's just one of those things. We could probably talk for another four or five hours, but I know we probably have to go. And we? I also yeah. tell you what? that as soon as we leave here, you'll be in the car and you go, Leslie, I forgot to tell him this. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And that's just I should it. have told him this. There's just so much... I've had so many great experiences on the radio. Just, yeah. I mean, I, this is all I've ever wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And here I am, 63, and just still loving it as much as I did when I was 43. But honestly, the podcast technology 
has allowed people like you and I to continue that Absolutely. that radio need. Absolutely. And do it just in a different way. Yeah, doing it do it our way. That's the big thing yeah. here. With my podcast, it is purely this. I do this. I do not get paid for this. I do this purely out of love to help individuals. Yes. This is some I got I had a point a problem in my career. Uh, this is probably like the 25 year point or something like that where I said uh, I could not deal with my ego. My ego, I, I would get my air check tape and and it's like, I think it's a great show. I think it's a good show. Get in the car, and I blew a break. One break in a five-hour show. And you're saying this about yourself. Yeah, and I'm going, oh, that is terrible. That's terrible. And I could not be consoled. So I realized my ego was getting was getting a little out of hand. I would name drop all the time as far as, you know, I talked to such and such. I talked to someone. He's like, well, yeah. no one wants to hear that. No one wants to hear that. <laughs> so finally, I, I had one of those coming to Jesus type talks where I, I just basically <laughs> said, Lord, help me. And I literally heard... Stop helping yourself and start helping others. Oh, my. And for the last 15, probably the last 14, 19, 15, 16 years of my career, that's all I did. It was when I I was the moderator of the show. I played the music. I had the funny funny stuff like that. But the thing is, if you were on my show as a caller, you were the star of my show. I am the guy that hosts the show. You're the star of my show. And that's how this podcast goes. It is purely to help others. Yeah. It is something that, you know, and you're going to get a great podcast. It's free. You're going to get a great quality product because I have had 44 years of experience of, you know, of editing and everything. Yeah. Uh, I've talked to, I have to say, about 6,000 people now. It's crazy, Yeah, it, it? it just dumbfounds me. It's just still so much fun. It is. People are saying, well, why are you doing this? It's because, because I want to help you. <laughs> What's in it for you? Nothing. No, they always ask me that. What's in it for you? There's nothing. You know, we're going to be doing a show next week at a pottery place. And this is not a buy a piece of pottery, paint it, Mm -hmm. and then pick it up a week later after they kill it. It's not like that. This is sitting down at a wheel, like Demi Moore. Uh, and uh, and Was it Demi Moore? Yeah, it was Demi Moore, yeah. And Patrick Swayze. Patrick Swayze, yeah. yeah, 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 Ghost. Ghost. Ghost, yeah. Yeah. And, And you make the pottery... And then you decorate however they're going to do it. Right. And then we'll do the show afterwards. Right. And he said, well, what's in it for you? I said, no, we want to pay you to do the pottery. We want the experience. Mm-hmm. And you're a brand new company. You started last October. We want to help spread the word. Well, what's in it for you? A hunk of pottery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's pretty much yeah. it. And that's what we do. When I was on with John Landecker, he was talking about a story about a advertising executive in Chicago, been there forever. His name is William Bernbach. I don't expect you to know that yeah, name. Okay. I did not know yeah. that name. They were interviewing him. There's some big anniversary or something. And he says, what do you attribute your success to? Because you're an advertising agency. You're always put under the microscope of do better, do more mm. creative than you did for the other client. And here's the quote. I always find something interesting to say and say it in an interesting way. He says, if I can accomplish those two things, Mm -hmm. I've done my work for the client. And I've laminated that Uh and kept it in my wallet wallet because I need it to be a reminder all the time. Uh If you have the desire, you find those projects, whether it be movies or Mm -hmm. books or podcasts or public speaking or teaching a class you find those avenues. That's what I believe. Right, exactly. Or you sit on the couch and you watch another episode of Seinfeld, <laughs> which a lot of people do. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Now, this has been a treat. I really and truly love, uh, love sharing stories like this. You know, just being on the radio and, and being able to do 
something I've loved all my life. I knew mm-hmm. I wanted to do this, and I really and truly thank God and uh, and for the opportunity to do this. I think the patience of this lovely lady to my left over here, <laughs> yeah. she's been very patient with it. She's been the most encouraging person when it comes to not going back on the radio, but doing what you want to do yeah. and enjoying it and purely and, just helping others. And I think that thank God part that you said mm. has a big impact yeah. because I think that life is a chess move. Mm-hmm. And if God helps you put people in the place right. where exactly. it can, you guys can intersect whoever mm-hmm. those oh, yeah. guys are, exactly, yeah. then that's half your battle right there. Yeah. You yeah. know, there's a reason why that person had Cliff come over because he could have not. Yeah, I know. And he says, you guys got to meet these other people. And then, you know, after that, we could have never talked to each other after that. Uh-huh. And after that, you could have said no two days ago when I said, hey, let's meet in Maryville. There's a lot of opportunities oh, yeah, where you could and say just, no, yeah. but you go, eh, why not? Yeah, it was, we, had freezing, we had freezing rain this morning. It's like, no, I'm going to do this. I've been through worse. Oh, I know, I know. I've been through worse. It is just, it's just a delight. And there's numerous times I've been to the radio station and my relief didn't show up because of bad weather, you know. Yeah. And next thing you know, you're doing your your eighth hour in a row. Yeah, and so you know how it feels. You're getting a little crispy. That's and right. Such, that's uh, right. Well, I should have been out of here. I'm starving <laughs> here. And, and I don't have any quarters for the vending machine. Wow. Good for you guys for having a vending machine. Well, yeah. Wow, there's stations where I've been where they don't. You, yeah. br- you bring whatever you have. Yeah, and the, one thing that we always had, which is a common bond with every radio station I've ever worked at, was the communal refrigerator oh yeah which we first we used to refer to as hotel california because things check in but they never check out (laughs) nice i like that yeah wow well keep in mind this is a podcast that this audio file is going to be posted and uploaded on two podcasts one is someone you should know by rick anthony and the other is storyteller studio with tim larson that's what we have done today, and we're going to sort of double dip. Double dip, yeah. 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 Uh, mine will be out in March. and uh, Mine will be out next week. All right, very yeah. good. Awesome. Well, let's have some lunch here at All Maxim's. right, very good, very good. I uh, think these, these lovely leaders are kind of wondering, when are these guys going to shut up so I can have my breakfast? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks, Rick. I appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, brother. Really and truly loved it. Uh, and once again, positive vibes. Have a great trip. And uh, have some fun. And uh, thanks again for having me on your show. I will. Thanks for accepting. Take care. Thank you for joining us in the Storyteller Studio with Tim Larson and Liz Wilder, where everything begins with a story.